So we are working our way through the book of Revelation, and it's worth just spending a few moments recapping as to what we looked at last Sunday. There are two parts to Revelation. Revelation 17 concerns ecclesiastical Babylon, and Revelation 18 concerns economical Babylon. It could just be that when the tribulation begins, Babylon in Iraq could reappear. I'm not overly sure about that. I was doing more research this morning in advance of the service just to see if it could be possible that Babylon in Iraq could play such a major part. But when it comes to uh, Babylon's geographical location, there is no sea anywhere near Babylon. In fact, Babylon to Baghdad is a good 90-minute journey. But if you look at Rome, if you look at Vatican City, there is sea, there is water all around such a place. In fact, there are cruisers, which I discovered this morning, that will take you all around Rome. In fact, some of the reviews I was reading were somewhat interesting. Somebody said from 2006 that the cruise was very poor. There was graffiti everywhere, far worse than New York or Los Angeles. Very surprising. So it's very difficult to be dogmatic when it comes to whether Babylon in Iraq will reappear during the tribulation or like I said last Sunday, we are getting two snapshots concerning Babylon. Babylon, chapter 17, being Rome, being ecclesiastical. Babylon, Revelation 18, being economical, concerning their finance, their commercial operations. But it's also worth reminding ourselves that popes are untouchable. They have Vatican passports. They enjoy diplomatic immunity. Popes are political and religious, and that is why back in 2005-2006, one of America's most infamous cardinals would flee from Boston to Rome, because he knew that once he arrived in Rome, he couldn't be touched. And there are other well-known, infamous, despicable cardinals that are living in Vatican City. In fact, we believe that Mr. Ratzinger is unable to go back to Germany, because if he was to attempt to do so, he'd be arrested. But if he stays in Rome, he enjoys diplomatic immunity. He is untouchable. But I think Revelation 18, when it speaks about Babylon falling, and we were able to look at the first 10 verses last Sunday, is going to be a replay or a rerun of what we saw when Romania fell, uh, or the Philippines, or Iraq. When those uh, systems fell, Iraq would be Saddam, uh, Romania would be Chichasco, the Philippines would be Marcus. It was quite uh, quite amazing to see just how the other side lived, how the other half lived. People were suffering, people were uh, starving, people were very much struggling during those awful regimes, and they were swept away, literally, overnight. In fact, when the wall came down in 1989, the uh, secret police in East Germany were ordered to open fire on their own people and the head of the secret police refused to issue the order and at that point it was obvious to those that were living during that era that something evil had finally come to an end. So I will take my time as we continue through Revelation 18 this morning and offer as much information as I can. Also from Revelation 18.4 There is a call to depart from Babylon. And it's very much like a throwback to the book of Genesis when the angels are sent to 
uh, get Lot out with his wife and daughters. And the angels say to Lot and co that they can't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and co have been removed, raptured, if you will. It's a good type, a good picture of the rapture found very much in the church age. But from Revelation 18.4, the context is dealing specifically with economical, ecclesiastical, commercial and church Babylon collapsing. And like I say, if you take the time just to look at maps concerning Iraq or Rome, it does appear to me that Babylon is probably in reference to Rome. I will say this as a quick footnote that if you take the view that Clarence Larkin offered, he said this, that when the rapture takes place, Revelation chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, John chapter 14, it doesn't necessarily mean that the tribulation will begin straight away. He thinks it could take maybe two, three, four, five decades before the tribulation begins, which would allow Babylon in Iraq to be rebuilt. I don't know if I agree with that or not but that was his hypothesis and it's very interesting to consider such a view so with that in mind i think we will start today uh if we may and last week we ended from uh we ended in revelation eighteen ten, and i'll just pick out one part to that verse alas alas that great city babylon that mighty city for in one hour is thy judgment come the last hour of the last day of the last month of the last year of the tribulation alas alas that great city not country that great city babylon could be rome could be iraq that mighty city that tremendous city for in one hour 60 minutes is thy judgment come could be rome like i say could be iraq but what i don't believe it is is in reference to New York or Jerusalem, as some would have you believe. Look at verse 11, please. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls, and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet, and all thine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and of brass and iron and marble, and cinnamon, and odours, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Much material there. And it's like I said last week, you walk down your local high street, and you come across, shall we say, a dry cleaners, or a pizza shop. From the outside, it looks very honest, quite legit, a legit, and yet you go inside. And it turns out that it's a front for organized crime. It's a racket. It is doing what it shouldn't be doing. From the outside, it looks pretty straightforward. But once you go inside, it's very different. It's like the Catholic Church. From the outside, she is very ostentatious. And yet, when you look a little deeper, it's a very different situation altogether. She's been able to bewilder people. She's been able, she's been able to intoxicate people. And that's why we have seen so many VIPs in recent years convert to Catholicism. There was a suggestion back in the mid-1990s that Lady Diana was going to convert to Catholicism. She was very taken with uh, Mother Teresa. 
She thought the world of Mother Teresa, who incidentally died an atheist, who incidentally would uh, preach to her novice nuns. They would sit at her feet as Teresa from Albania, a very controversial fascist past, would preach. She would teach uh, her novice nuns, like I say, not from the scriptures, but from her own books. But Diana was very interested in Catholicism. In fact, I believe her brother is a Catholic. Tony Blair would leave office in uh, 2007 and almost straight away convert to Catholicism. There have been many uh, well-known people converting, like uh, Jeb Bush. He would convert to Catholicism some years ago, and yet his father and brother George are members of the Skull and Bones movement, a Masonic secret society. There's something about Catholicism which is very intoxicating, and therefore people are very intrigued by converting to such a religion. There's much theatre, much pomp, and yet to those of us which are saved, we have no interest in such a setup. But you see, people want to be entertained. People want to see their priest up on the altar, dressed up in fancy dress, so on and so forth, putting on a show. And this goes back to women dressing as men and men dressing, uh, men dressing as women. Strange times we live in. But here, 18, 11, merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchandise any more. It almost feeds into the mark of the beast. But 12 and 13 speak about gold, silver, and precious stones. If Rome is found here, if Revelation 18 is speaking about Rome, and as far as I can see today, in 2017, it could well be just that, then we can say for sure, based on what we know, that Rome is the most wealthiest church, quote-unquote, in the world. And again, please remember this, that the Pope is a secular leader, over Vatican City. The Pope is a religious leader over the Catholic Church. He wears two hats, if you will, and here gold, silver, and precious stones, along with pearls, fine linen, purple, and silk, and scarlet. If you see any cardinal, he dresses in scarlet. It's his uh, regalia. It's his uniform, if you will. They have gold, they have silver, They have precious stones like rubies, diamonds. They have their own bank. Not many churches have their own bank. But the latter part from verse 13 is very interesting to me. And chariots and slaves and souls of men. Slaves going back to pagan Rome and slaves leading up to papal Rome. If you are a nun in the Catholic Church, you are thought of as being a slave. If you are a priest in a Catholic church, you are thought of being a slave. You are a slave to your church, much like the Jehovah's Witnesses are to their church. But the latter part of 13 really does help me understand what is being spoken about here. And souls of men, Father, say a prayer for my late mother. Father, say a prayer for my late father. Father, say a prayer for my husband or my daughter. It was Cardinal Cody back in the 1980s, another notorious cardinal, who would be just jetting around the world like Spellman would do back in the 1960s, very much enjoying the high life and the good life. And people would come up to him and say, Your Eminence, please say a mass for my late relative. And he would do so, and they would give him maybe $20, $50, or $100. And on one occasion, he was given so much money from his parishioners that it was falling out of his pockets 
onto the ground. People actually believe that these people, these priests, these bishops, these cardinals are able to intercede for their loved ones that are now deceased. There was a belief right up until the mid-1960s that when the Pope wore his triple tiara, the last Pope to do so was Paul VI, I believe, that he was Lord over heaven, earth, and hell. And they believed right up until the mid-1960s, not the 1660s, but the 1960s, that he was able to release souls from purgatory. That's power. He could just click his fingers and say, be released, based on prayers, based on money, passing hands, an absolute farce, a blasphemy, terrible heresy. And yet people believe that. Not 600 years ago, not a 1,000 years ago, but 50 years ago. They no longer believe that the Pope is Lord in such a way over heaven, earth, and hell. They still believe that he is the pontiff, the supreme pontiff, and they still believe that he can intercede between heaven and earth. But as I say, no Pope since the 1960s has wore his triple tiara, a ridiculous piece of headwear, going back to men dressing up as women and women dressing up as men. It's a great show, can't you see that? People want to be entertained. People want to belong to something. It goes back to tribalism. It goes back to wanting to be a part of a system. You're either political or religious. It's very rare to meet someone who is neither. 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. It's going to fall like a pack of cards. And if you think of Vegas for a moment, or if you think of Atlantic City, or if you think of any casino or gambling place around the world, in fact, I seem to remember seeing a documentary some years ago about the Middle East. I think it was Doha or Bahrain or Dubai, one of those Islamic countries. And it's very westernized. They've got these huge shopping malls, massive shopping malls. They've got massive uh, complexes where people can shop to they drop. Like Beijing, you go to China, for example. A lot of wealth in China. A lot of wealth. In fact, China, according to some people, are primed to overtake America in the next 25 years. Hard to believe. But these countries, Beijing, Doha, Bahrain, Las Vegas, New Jersey, and perhaps parts of London, are very much tailored to entertain, to put on a show. And Larkin, again, makes the point that when the tribulation is right at its climax, people are going to flock there in their droves. They're going to be very much entertained 24-7. Going back to what I said last week, if you go to Vegas, I'm told there are no clocks on the walls anywhere. They don't want you checking the time. They don't want you uh, being preoccupied about what time it is. As far as they are concerned, time stands still. When you go and you spend and you spend and you spend. And Larkin makes the point that when Babylon is right at the end of her time on the earth, people are flocking, like I say, in their droves to spend and spend so on and so forth. And they are demon possessed. Left, right and center. Going back to 18.2. How Babylon, this great city, has fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit unclean spirit the sort of spirit that makes a smell and some people say that they have come into contact with spirits over the years and the smell is just awful and a cage of every unclean 
and hateful bird. And he says this, that when it is burnt to the ground, like Sodom and Gomorrah was burnt to the ground, not only will people see this from miles all around, which we'll get to shortly, but such people are demon-possessed, and they are burning internally with their lusts, and they will burn externally with their lusts when they go into the second death. But here, 1814, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The party's over. You've had a good run. Look at 15. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, and purple and scarlet, and decked with gold, and precious stones and pearls. So I think this, I think once a church has been raptured, it could just be that the tribulation won't begin straight away. And it could just be that all of the world powers will throw their lot behind Rome. And Rome will become the capital of the world. She will grow very quickly. Now at the moment you've got the permanent five. And I've spoken about them over the last few weeks. In the tribulation you will have ten. But at the moment the permanent five. One more time. London, Washington, Beijing, Paris, and Moscow, they control the world, but there'll be a switch, and it could be that what will occur is after two or three billion people have been just wiped out, those five nations and others will turn to Rome and say, please help us out, and there will be a major transfer of power, which is what this chapter, I think, is speaking about, but here, from Revelation 18, 15 going into 16 the merchants of these things which were made rich by her never mind wall street never mind the city of london you wait till babylon has reappeared on the world stage could be rome like i say could be iraq like i say but more likely rome they will stand afar off for the fear of her torment weeping and wailing in hell it speaks about people weeping and wailing And saying, verse 16, alas, alas, that great city, that mighty city, that city, not country. And again, Vatican City is a city, not necessarily a country, although she is a country within a country, you understand. But technically, she is a city that was clothed in fine linen. She's lived very comfortably, purple, scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. She's very wealthy. I think it was Avo Manhattan or Avro Manhattan, I think so you pronounce his first name. He wrote many books about the Catholic Church back in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. And he suggested, Manhattan, that the Catholic Church was the wealthiest church in the world. And he suggested that she was worth around $100 billion. That was then. $100 billion, by today's standard, could be a trillion dollars. Just look at her land. Look at her churches. Look at her cathedrals. Look at what she's got. I was told that back in the 1990s, the Catholic Church in England, the Diocese of Southwark, had a portfolio of £20 million. That was 25 years ago. £20 million. So if you think about wealth, if you think about power, if you think about prestige, you think to yourself, yes, ecclesiastical Babylon, economical Babylon. Again, the Pope is secular. The Pope is religious. The Pope has immunity. The Pope is untouchable. The Pope is head of state. The Pope is head of church, his church. 
and his state. And that's why it's so important to keep reminding ourselves as to what is going on here and why the Catholic Church is being spoken of in such a way. 1817. For in one hour, so great riches are come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? Titanic will never sink. Titanic, this great ship, will never sink. And yet we believe that the Jesuits were behind the demise, the destruction of such a ship. Every ship master 17 and all the company in ships. Go back to what I said a few moments ago. Babylon, Iraq is not a port city. Now it is possible that during the tribulation, and I showed you this some weeks ago, that not only will cities fall, but the earth will be redesigned, if you will. The earth will be a, a lot smaller when Christ returns. So it is possible that parts of Iraq could fall into the sea and therefore allow Babylon to become a port city. But now, right this moment, Babylon in Iraq is not a port city. Yes, New York is, but New York can't be uh, accused from verse 20 of killing apostles and prophets. But at the moment, Rome is a port city, hence shipmasters and all the company and ships and sailors, and as many as trade by sea, verse 17, stood afar off. Vatican City, and cried when they saw the smoke of a burning. A throwback to Abraham seeing Sodom and Gomorrah go up in flames. What city is like unto this great city? At the moment, New York is probably the capital of the financial world. They have Wall Street. The city of London comes a near second. But in the tribulation, it would appear based on Revelation 17, Revelation 18, and also Revelation 19, that a switch has occurred, that Babylon, probably Rome, will be the capital of the world. Go back to last week, when John the Apostle wrote Revelation, you had pagan Rome under Caesar dominating the world. When Christ comes back, you will have paper Rome under Caesar dominating the world. And of course, the Pope will be the figurehead of such an institution vatican city if you were to put such on the stock market would be worth billions her wealth is just immense and that's why every vip flocks to the vatican to pay homage so-called to the pope they cry when they see the smoke of her burning saying what city is like under this great city there was never a city like this and now we are very much at the end of our tether. Good times are gone. 19. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her coastlines. For in one hour is she made desolate. The last hour of the last day, of the last week, of the last month, of the last year, in the tribulation. Alas, alas. A terrible picture here of mourning, weeping over the loss of this financial system, this ecclesiastical system, this ostentatious system, this system which has deceived so many people. That great city, it's got to be Rome, wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her coastlines. For in one hour is she made desolate. But verse 20 is the key. 
Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles, the twelve, and prophets, Moses and Elijah, the 144,000, for God hath avenged you on her. And this one verse alone seems to suggest to me, and others like Peter Upman, that Babylon, from chapter 18, has got to be Rome. Because Babylon, found here in chapter 17, 18 and 19, if it is concerning Iraq, can't be held responsible for the death of holy apostles or prophets. Because Rome, being Rome, put to death the Messiah. Rome, being Rome, put to death the apostles. And Rome, during the tribulation, Caesar, part two, if you will, were put to death the two witnesses. Iraq, as far as I know, wasn't responsible for the death of anyone connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Rome, being Rome, Babylon being Rome, was responsible for the Lord's crucifixion and the subsequent martyrdom of the apostles. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye apostles, holy apostles, chosen apostles and prophets, Moses and Elijah, for God hath avenged you on her. So I will say this, that if you were to press me, I would say this, that probably this piece of scripture alone is the key to understanding what we are reading. At present, if you were to travel to Rome, a place I have not yet visited, it's no different to any other part in Europe. From the outside, like I say, it looks very impressive, very grand, but looking at some of the reviews that I was reading this morning concerning tourists that went to such a place, it's filthy. Graffiti everywhere. It's very expensive. I'm also told by Italians that um, I've spoken to in the past. It's not a cheap place to visit. It's difficult to visit in the summer because it's so crowded. But I think what's likely to happen, as I say, is that the rapture takes place. But Larkin could be perhaps wrong about Babylon being in Iraq, what is more likely, I think, is once the rapture has taken place, there could be maybe 10, 15, 20, 25 years until the tribulation begins and Rome will become even more powerful. And it came to me a few nights ago that at the end of the Old Testament, the final book is, of course, Malachi. Now, in a Jewish uh, Bible, they call theirs the Tanakh, they finish with Second Chronicles. But for those of us which are saved... In our King James Bible, or any Bible for that matter, even a Catholic Bible, the last book in the Bible is Malachi. Now, for 400 years, the Lord didn't speak to anyone. It's called the Great Silence. For 400 years, from Malachi chapter 4 to Matthew chapter 1, the Lord didn't speak to anyone anywhere on the face of the earth. You've got 400 years of silence. And then Christ arrives, and John the Baptist is preaching the wilderness, so on and so forth. So, I think what's quite possibly going to happen is this, and I will give some credit to Larkin for this hypothesis. The rapture takes place, and there'll be a period of silence when nothing happens. Could be 10, 15, could be 20 years, could be longer. In fact, I think Larkin says it could go for 50 years, although he doesn't know any more than we do. But my point is this. Due to that period of silence, the Lord doesn't speak to anyone. Those of us which have been raptured are long forgotten. You see, in the UK, I would suggest there are no more than probably 10,000 saved people. And if you were to break that down to 
knock it off, say, uh, 65 million people, it's tiny. I think it's 0.1%. So we could be raptured right now, those of us which are saved, and not be noticed for the most part, because there are so few of us. And the government could quite easily say, well, there was an outbreak of anthrax or what have you, and therefore we had to move in very quickly, incarcerate such people and cremate such people. Other parts of the world may not be so easy. But I think this, that because there will be a period of time, a period of silence, Malachi chapter 4, Matthew chapter 1, that by the time the tribulation begins, we are forgotten. We are long forgotten. And during that time of silence, Rome will become even more powerful, if I'm understanding this piece of scripture correctly. Rejoice over her, 1820, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God, and only God, hath avenged you on her. He will destroy this whore, he will destroy this system, and he will take full credit for such a system. And the final clincher when it comes to identifying this wicked system is found in chapter 19. Chapter 19, look at verse 2 please. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with a fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Can't be said about Iraq, can't be said about New York, can't be said about Jerusalem, but it can be said about Rome. 1821, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Going back to Rome being a port city, like Vatican City. 22, and the voice of harpers and musicians and of pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee. And the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. You go to a mass and you just watch the priest for a period of time. Never mind listening to these evangelicals or these fundamentalists who have never been into a church a day in their life. I was raised in that system. You go to a mass and you watch that priest up on the altar. You watch him during Easter services like Good Friday or Easter Sunday. In fact, when I was growing up, we would go to church on Good Friday it ran to three hours long. And I mean three hours. And they put on quite a show. You go on Easter Sunday. It's packed. It's a great show. And people are seduced by the sorceries. 23. Concerning all those nations which are in bondage to such a system. But it goes back one more time to this whore. Being able to hypnotize the kings of the earth. Not just through her mass. Not just through her pomp. Not just through her system, but due to money, power. I want a blessing. I need to be in the presence of someone special. In fact, I remember that quote from, I think it was 2005, an awful quote from Benny Hinn, of all people. And he said that the greatest experience of his life, now get this, the greatest experience of his life was when he met Pope John Paul II. Not when he met Jesus Christ. Not when he met his wife which he's married twice now, incidentally. But when he met John Paul II, and I remember him 
at Vatican City, I saw him on the news, in the audience, uh, there to pay his respect to the late Pope. At the same time, do you remember three American presidents turning up? Do you remember that? You had Bush Sr., Skull and Bones, Bush Jr., Skull and Bones, Bill Clinton, Freemason. You had Condoleezza Rice, Secretary of State, Laura Bush, and perhaps some other people. But three American presidents. And not only were they in Rome for John Paul II's funeral, they got down on their knees by his dead body. Do you remember that? And on top of that, they stayed in Rome for a week, speaking to American cardinals, trying to advise them as to which way they should vote. Now, these guys are very busy. I mean, George Bush was president at the time. 2005, that's his second term. To clear his schedule for an entire week is unprecedented. But to see three American presidents kneeling down at the corpse, a stinking corpse going back to 18-2, every foul spirit is just disgusting. On top of that, you've got Laura Bush on her knees. Laura Bush is an atheist. She said in her autobiography that she lost her faith when she was 17. You've got Condoleezza Rice, a daughter of a Baptist pastor, on her knees. And people said it's okay, they're just paying their respects like Benny Hinn. They are deceived. They are caught up in this wicked, ostentatious system. They have no idea that they are being duped. They are being deceived. It says how the devil will deceive the whole world. Hasn't he just done that? 24 and I will close. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints. And of all that was slain upon the earth. It's got to be Rome. It's got to be Rome. They put Christ to death. They put the apostles to death. They put the disciples to death. They put many from the second and third century to death. You can't say that Babylon being Iraq did such. You can't say that Babylon being New York did such. You can't say Babylon being Jerusalem did such. But if you study history, you know that the Catholic Church has killed millions of people and therefore, I think hell will consist of the devil right at the bottom. Then it'll be the popes and the cardinals and the bishops and the priests, the priests, because they continue to influence so many people. And then, of course, the tyrants of the 19th and 20th century. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that was slain upon the earth in a context First and foremost, tribulation saints. But going right back concerning the saints, the apostles, prophets, Moses and Elijah, the two witnesses found in the tribulation. And of all that were slain upon the earth, those that refused to take the mark of the beast. So 24 verses from Revelation 18. And I think by the grace of God, I've been able to say everything that needed to be said today. And I will just add some more thoughts before I wrap this message up and say this, that what we see uh, from the outside is always very limited. It's like politicians. You listen to politicians, they give speeches, and it sounds very impressive. And you think to yourself, but he means well, or she means well. And then a book comes out, a biography comes out, or a book about such a person comes out. And you think to yourself, ah, I see it now. He was just as bad as he was or she was just as bad as she was and that's why i think it's important to remind ourselves time after time that rome is split into two parts ecclesiastical and economical 
But during the tribulation, there will be some kind of a deal done. And Babylon will be officially the capital of the world. Therefore, a major shift of economical, commercial, ecclesiastical and military power will now be found in such a place. Wall Street and the city of London are no more. Rome, if I understand it correctly, will be the capital of the world. And the Pope, probably in the person of the Antichrist, will lead all, of, uh, all uh, governments. They will be very much in submission to him. So if you're not saved, you need to be saved. And if you find yourself in the tribulation, it's going to be very difficult for you, almost impossible to be saved. But as we have said so many times over the years, you get the governments that you deserve. And as far as this piece of scripture is concerned, you get the church that you deserve as well. So I will close it there and God willing, pick it up next week from Revelation chapter 19.